0: Hey, what's up? It's Michael Yo. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, man, look, I got 76 five star reviews on this podcast. We just started it like two weeks ago. Here's my goal and you can make it happen. I need I need 80. I just need four more people. By the time this podcast is I just need four more people to subscribe, give it a comment, and five startup. Ernie, we got Ernie the engineer. He's always sweating. Yeah, we that's call right. him sweaty Ernie. We're talking here uh, somebody gave me a one star I know are you serious like I want to kill that person like who would give this I mean I look I know every pod not depending on the guest but come on really a one star w-
1: were they hating or did they leave some construction no they criticism? didn't even
0: leave a comment they just one started and yeah. you know what I tried to look them up what happened I couldn't find them they 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 I I was so mad it's just like that's just somebody that maybe hates me that I may have done something to probably 20, 30 years ago?
1: Maybe back in the party days in Miami, oh, maybe. maybe.
0: Maybe that, or maybe when I was a kid in high school or intermediate. It's like, this person has not gotten over whatever. Like, let me tell you this. Not, not every episode... It's a five probably I'm going to be honest with you. It depends on the guest Depends how I feel I may have had a bad day But it's not a goddamn one A one is horrible A one is just like If you turn on a podcast And it's silent for an hour That's a one Like they didn't even say anything And probably I would give
1: that Like a two or three Because I never around silence Yeah, Those people are just Straight up haters dude. Hey, you, know you what? can't. You really can't even bother If you're not going to try to like Leave some constructive criticism Or anything Yeah, I just don't. You
0: know what? You're right. If they would have put a one and they go, Michael, yo, I hate your voice. I hate that you're black and Asian. I'm a neo-Nazi. You know, I hate black people and Asian people, and you're the worst thing that I could ever imagine. At least I'd be like, okay, I get it. I understand. I don't agree with their comments, but I understand why you gave me a one. Just to leave a one. Like, I got 75 five-star review, and you're the one that just leaves a one.
1: Like I, I don't understand it. I don't under. It makes me mad. One, one thing is that we we could be a mistake because sometimes when you leave the button, maybe you might just have.
0: Are you trying to make me feel better, Ernie? You know what? A little bit. Yeah. No. No. I think because it takes a lot of work to hit a one because you know how the stars are lined up. It's one star, two star. Like you, unless he thought, hey, this podcast is number one, and maybe that was it. Hey, you're number one. You are number one. We're gonna give you one star because you're number one, but. I saw that today, and I was so upset. So what I need is four to five people. That's it. Just four to five people every podcast. Give it five stars. And we're trying to get over 80 uh, right after this podcast plays. So go to iTunes, five-star it up, or five-star it wherever you're going. And I'm not too ashamed to beg. I'm not too ashamed.
1: Yeah, you can't. You can't.
0: So many people ask me, like, hey. uh, Oh, and here's another thing before I get to the other kind. Stop subscribing to the wrong podcast i had a podcast in 2016 and people now everybody listening to this one obviously you didn't do that but so many people are going to the wrong podcast the old one look for the well i'm talking to you you've already done the right thing but tell your dumb ass friends to stop subscribing to the wrong one the one where i'm in the purple shirt stop doing it stop doing it i need you to listen to this one so just four more reviews So Ernie, what's the chances? What do you think? By the end of this podcast, will we have four more five star reviews?
1: Uh, Yes, I think so. Oh, I I feel it.
0: So do you feel that people listen to the podcast and not necessarily leave comments and stars?
1: I just think that if you just keep saying it and then someone's like, yo,
0: oh, all right. Yeah, he's desperate. He's lonely. He needs (laughs) like, like maybe they'll feel bad for me.
1: Uh Yeah, okay. any, any, anything counts, you know No, I got so, into the door.
0: so, coming up on today's show, I'm very excited Ian Edwards Now, if you don't know who Ian Edwards is He writes for tons of television shows He's part of Joe Rogan's family Joe Rogan takes him on the road My inspiration behind this podcast is Joe Rogan, by the way I was on his episode I believe it's episode 12 Well, I don't even, I forgot It's 12-something Anyway, besides that, I went to Joe Rogan's compound, and he's the one that said, you need to do your own podcast. And it's taking off. It's doing well, but Ian Edwards is so freaking funny. Just came out with a special on Comedy Central. So, please, please, please stick around for Ian Edwards. Oh, by the way, by the way, September 6th and 7th, I will be at the Miami Improv. Yeah. What up, 305? Dolly. I don't know Spanish, but that was Pitbull. That's all I remember. Dolly. You know, Ernie, by the way, story about Pitbull. I bought a CD from him out of his trunk. He was selling CDs in his trunk, Ernie.
1: You can't knock that hustle,
0: man. Nah, man. And he's still nice. When he sees me, he's like, hey, puppy, puppy, you might go, yo, daddy. You know, hey, puppy. I don't know if my accents are horrible. Every accent I do turns into my dad.
1: It's like, hey, hey, puppy,
0: hey, hey. Anyway, so big shout out to Pitbull. I will be at the Miami Improv and then September... You know what? I think I said the wrong dates yesterday. I'm going to just pull it up. I'm going to just pull it up because I got to get these dates
1: right. Yeah, where are you going to find all that information at?
0: Oh, the, you know what, Ernie? You are... Beautiful question. MichaelYo.com. MichaelYo.com. Go there. Uh, I'm going to be in uh, Seattle as well. I love Seattle. The 26th, 27th, and 28th. Now... Oh, wait, wait. No, 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 no. That I was looking at. No, that is 2019. Yeah, 26, 27, 28th. The 27th and 28th, I'm going to be at a club in Seattle called Laugh Seattle because the parlor shut down. And on the 19th, I'm doing a small venue. It only has like a 100 seats. So I want to sell that biatch out. So I will give you that information. It's not on my website yet. I don't even know the name of the place, but we just booked it today. So Seattle. I am coming. 26, 27, 28. Ian Edwards is on now. Michael Yo. Michael Yo. With the Michael Yo Show. Celebrities. To be honest? I don't like male strippers. Pop culture. And comedy. But that's what I'm trying to do is streamline this whole thing into a cult. Plus, 10 things you should know with Yo. The Michael Yo Show starts Now. 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 Thanks for watching The Michael Yo Show. Here is the deal. Rate, review, subscribe if you like the pod. Need your love. With a love, all the comments, all the five stars. Bring it on right now. Rate, review, subscribe. Also, michaelyo.com for all my tour dates, but inside the studio right now, man, I tell you, is one of the dudes that every comic loves in the game, Ian Edwards. What's up, my man? What's up, fam? Dude. Good to be uh, here.
2: You know what? Your comedy special just dropped Uh on Comedy Central. Right. Uh, tell everybody how they can see that first uh, go to comedy central the website. com, and you can just type in Bill Burr presents Ian talk uh, or my name and it will just come up you don't need a, to have a subscription or cable it's there it's probably also on demand right now, maybe on Amazon by now so just you know just look for it whatever type of service you got and you could just check it out
0: Okay, how' did you team
2: up with Bill Burr on uh, this? did he come to you or did you go to him? Well, I was already preparing to do a special. I was going to shoot it with my own money. You know, I stopped like writing on shows and shit like that. So I got to put this material in the can before it gets stale and then try to find a buyer. And if it doesn't happen, fine. But at least like that moment of time is captured in a prime way. Gotcha. So that I can move on and come up with newer material. It kind of holds you back. Do you feel even for
0: a season? Because you write on several different TV shows. Right. You've written on several. Even for you doing stand-up, do you feel like once you have things that hit in mm-hmm. a club, you don't write as much because you know you can go up anytime? Yeah, it'll it.
2: make you comfortable. Okay. Yeah. It'll make you comfortable. And you know you can do go to a club, kill, have great shows. But, you know, now that I've shot the funeral, like the night of the special when it came out, and I said, shot the funeral. Like which is what I was gonna say. Like the night the special came out, I did three sets. And people's like, Didn't you didn't you want to go somewhere and watch the special? I said, nah, tonight is the funeral for my old material. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I can't use it again. And I need to work on new material. So when people see the special or hear that I'm in town and they come to see me, I don't want them to be like, oh, he wasn't that funny. Because there's a growth period. When you come up with new material You got to get each joke right The way the old material was And people might not understand that They don't know what stage They're seeing you at And you know I just want to get the process Of getting the material perfect As soon as possible
0: So not that you Because I I, I hear a lot of different uh, Comedians talk about it Some people say you know what? As long as you got some new material when you go out, right, combine right. with your old, you got, you know, you got to do what you got to do to mm-hmm. go on the road after yeah, the yeah. special. I get that. And then some people, like I was talking to, um, I believe it was, who was Pat Oswald? He mm-hmm. says after he shoots a special, he won't go out mm-hmm. until he has all new material, but. You can do that when you're rich. You know what I mean? When you're trying to pay bills, it's hard to do that, to come up with, like, here's another hour after my special just dropped. Right, right, right. So, like, realistically, how much new material
2: do you have right now? Realistically? So, the special was taped in December Mm -hmm. of last year. So...
1: Oh, so you've had time. So,
2: I've had... So, I knew when I did the special, that was pretty much... Like, I did a weekend in Arizona, maybe in January or something like that, where I did a lot of the old stuff because it didn't air until August 12th or something like yeah. that. But, uh, but all that time doing spots in clubs, just working on it. So then it's like a slow, like turnover of in with the new out with the old. Yeah. And then you're you know, replacing, you're replacing stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. And how long do you think it will take you to build another hour? By the end of the year, but okay. I have a lot of new material now, like thirty minutes. And then there were jokes that I didn't use in the special. I cut out the special that nobody's seen on TV before, so you can use so the those. So then I have those. Yeah. Okay. How much cutting did you do in the special? Uh, special came out to like fifty something minutes. Uh huh. So I cut like two good bits out. All right. Yeah. That's All like right. Five-ish minutes apiece. So you shot it yourself in December. Was no, I was going to shoot it. Okay. My bad. I didn't finish okay. that. Yeah. And, and then Burr got a deal with Comedy Central. With, you know, He was with All Things Comedy and How Magical. They have their own company. And he got a three special deal. And then he hit me up. Because we'd had a conversation about specials before. And he's like, hey, man, I got these three specials. Do you want to be one of them? And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah, yeah." I pretended a little bit. So let me think about this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure you're the right I'm person, not sure for you're me the Bill. Right person, Bill. Let me let me think about this. <laughs> and so I hung up on him,
0: and, uh, <laughs> and then called, called, him called him
2: right him back. back. But, but I, I dialed him on the other line before I hung up. Got gotcha, you. And gotcha. then so he just picked up. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like a over back yeah, in the day. Like, yeah, call not yeah, wait yeah. It. Just, uh-huh. like, okay. So. You, you were part of that. You
2: went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you feel walking out of the special? Were you very happy with it? Yeah, I was happy with it. Okay. Yeah, I was happy with it. Like, we got it done. Like, you know, it had a certain theme. It had a certain tone. And I think we accomplished everything that we wanted to accomplish. Uh-huh. And it's done in a TED Talk style. Yep. And uh, and uh, it was a little challenging, getting everything coordinated with the monitor. Cause that's not how I was doing the set in the clubs, but the night of the tape and everything came out fine.
0: Okay. Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah. So I want to go back. Like how'd you start in comedy? Like where,
0: where were you born? Where you raised? What got you into oh, okay. comedy?
2: Uh, I was born in England and raised in Jamaica and came to New York when I was like 17. Okay. And then just as a, like as, as a, Stranger in this country Trying to find my way And figure things out I used to I had a job at this Burger King And I'm just like I spent like my first few years In America just observing Trying to figure out a way How to jump into conversations And have something To give in the conversation And sometimes you just get stuck Like it's almost like Prepare me for being in a writer's room Because you're trying to Add on to a conversation That's going on and sometimes you lose confidence in the thoughts in your head and you're like, oh, that, that that won't make any sense. That's going to make me sound stupid. You know what I mean? So you don't say things and then somebody else says it and you're like, shit, I should have said, said, said that. Yeah. So then uh, I, I went through a lot of that. And then there was this guy at Burger King. His name was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like a joke. <laughs> I'm fed up. I used to work at Burger King. No, I love it. Yeah. And his name was Game Ellis. And we're still friends to this day. And he was like, just funny as shit. And I noticed every time I worked on the same shift as him, that shift just went fast. Mm-hmm. And everybody, like, orbited around him. Like, I'm at the back of the broiler looking at Greg over by the, the whopper side. i just <laughs> killing it. And everybody's like, even the people who are, he's giving the orders, the food to, so that they can hand to the customers. They're, like, looking through the thing. The guy on fries is, like, turning to Greg. I was like, that's what I got to do. I got to tap into my funny side. Uh-huh. And this life will be way more easier. And I started doing that just to socialize, just to learn how to, like, you know, it's a calculated way to just socialize, but because I had to figure it out, like on the sidelines of life. But did you know you were funny though? Because I I just remember. Or
0: do you think everybody can tap in? Everybody has a funny side and they can tap into it if they believe that.
2: Well, I was young and I remember in Jamaica, I had fun with my friends, but I was comfortable I was relaxed in America. I was not comfortable. I wasn't relaxed, you know. Like you're, you're here, like me. and You are black. Yes, with different types of black. like yeah, very like, different. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I'm. It's the first time I've ever been in a country where they labeled the black, black people weren't the same type of black people as me, and where we didn't have things in common. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so. It wasn't even that easiness at, easiness at first of like getting to know people. You know, I like our differences would stand out. Yeah. So I, the only thing that could like cut through all that with any race was just humor. It's you true. Know what I mean? So then I was like, let me relax, tap into my funny side. It's like a m- massage when you're just, just thinking funny. You're having fun. Everybody's having fun. And I just started like working on being. That way, you 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 were working on your Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh-huh. And how long did it take you to develop that? Uh, the moment I realized it, it just became easy. It's just I just was like, couldn't think of anything. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I just couldn't. I was just frozen. You know what I mean?
0: So so Burger King, you worked there, right? What was the next? Did you the next step? Yeah, go to comedy
2: clubs then, or was there a Fuddruckers in between? <laughs> <laughs> no, no Fuddruckers. Okay, no Fuddruckers. okay, I don't know. No Fuddruckers was hilarious, uh. but uh, so then while I'm at Burger King, I'm. Now oh, I'm the second funniest person of Burger King. I'm killing it. You know what I'm saying? Greg ain't there, I'm headlining. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm headlining Burger King. People are orbiting, I'm cracking jokes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this the is the guy's looking They're at fried you. The guy's now. looking at me. Yeah. Greg went to the bathroom. I'm diving in. <laughs> there then, you go. I'm doing my thing. You're doing your five I'm in between. i doing my five in between. <laughs> Bro, bring back your headliner. Greg is back from the bathroom. Get back on the whoppers. All right, Greg. Thanks for the, thanks for the time, brother. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it, it was like that. And, uh, so then. One day I'm taking orders on the drive through window and I'm just using that as my first microphone. I'm like clowning. I would always say and there were some bad hacky jokes I didn't know better. But back then people was into that type of shit. <laughs> do, you, do you remember one of them? You I, would say? Yeah. I'd do it like an Indian accent, like dumb shit. Like okay, I got shit you. I would never do now. Okay. You know? And just whatever. Like there was some good stuff, some bad stuff, you know, just being funny. Just Going at everything, you know, vomiting it all out. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then this t- took this guy's order. He drove around to the window and said, Hey, man, did you just take my order? And I'm like, Yeah. He said, Yo, man, you're funny as shit. You should try comedy. And then the moment he said that, I was like, it was like a light bulb, light bulb, oh shit moment. Like, he's right. And I never saw this guy again. Gave him his food. Don't know who he is, what he looks like. If I ran into him today, it could be you or him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I drove off. And I was like, from at that moment, I said, that's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Wow. No turning back. Yeah.
0: From a Burger King drive-thru. Yeah,
2: from a Burger King drive through Yeah.
0: Wow, you so lucky. Greg was in the bathroom. <laughs> I know, right? because he could have been working that drive through, <laughs> and they I would know. have told him that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then you went up, or like then I started going to open open mics, mics. Okay,
2: and I started like making a record, even in my head, or after a conversation, what made people laugh when I said shit to them. Do you-
0: that's, it's so interesting how we look at real life so differently. Mm-hmm. Like we'll be at a table having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Everybody laughs at what you said. Automatically, mm-hmm. it triggers like a, a recorder, and I oh, remember this. Yeah,
2: remember this. Yeah, remember yeah. that's so crazy because we yeah. need material, and it, it worked in a group of people. That's like the first mic. So I was just micing people individually. <laughs> I was open micing people individually. Yeah, talking blah 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 blah. Not trying on purpose to be. Funny, just be myself. But something came up. But or, something came up. I was like, boom, you know. So when did that. you
0: realize you were funny on stage? Did uh, you crush the first time you were up?
2: No, nah, I bombed hard, bro. Now tell me about it. Uh, I'd been going to this open mic in, called, uh, this, still there in Levittown, called Governors, right? Uh uh-huh. So I was going to Governors, checking out the mics. I watched like three mics, you know. And finally the day came for me to do my set. And when you go to the mics, you're watching... Off stage In the back of the room Just observing And then The first time I went on stage They called me up And I invited friends down From Bird King and shit (laughs) (laughs) Is Greg there? Was he there? He might have been there It was so embarrassing I don't remember who was there And I hope they I hope they forgot this night As much as I want them to You know what I'm saying? Uh So then I went on And the first thing that was different from watching the mics was that the stage lights are so bright and they hit me. They froze me. Really? And I lost my sense of sight. And without that, my whole system went into a panic. And it made me realize why cops shine their lights on you at night because it kind of freezes you and makes you defenseless. Like I've never been blind before and I had no idea the stage lights were that bright and it threw me off. And then now I'm in front of people. They're staring up at me. I'm like stuttering through all these things that I thought I'd remembered. And I fucked them all up, except the last joke I told right, and it worked. And I was like, oh, if I can just stop being nervous and get used to these bright-ass lights, then (laughs) I should be fine. So you get off stage, what do your friends say to you? I don't remember. I just know it wouldn't even matter. It's just how I felt. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And I took the glimmer of hope that... All right, you say the shit clear, people will laugh. So
0: you took away something that was good? Yeah, yeah, I took okay. away something that was good. So then you start, keep going through them. What was your big shot in New York, I guess you could say, on stage? Like, did Gotham ever... There was... Like, what What, what was your first big club that you rocked it at? Where you were like, yeah, I got passed, or...
2: Well, well Governors, I was like a... Open, they had open mics. Yeah. So I would always go there. I remember the first time I ever killed was there. Okay. Right? And... Uh, but... Like, there's so many. I never really had a big, big break. It's all mini breaks that add into one thing. So once I was, like, watching all the comedy shows on TV, right? I'm watching them. I'm watching them, and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, none of the comics on Long Island are on these shows. It's all Manhattan comics. So I was like, I got to get into Manhattan. I got to get into a Manhattan club. In order to get on these T V shows. So I had done this audition for the show in LA and I'd gotten a call back, but I didn't get it. And then the next year they had another audition. And uh was it a stand up show? It was like a like a it was a show, but I don't wanna tell this say the show. Okay. For for but it but I met a guy who managed like some real comics who were doing Okay big. Got you. big. And they were having another audition for the show the next year, and they wanted me to perform. So I said, can you get me a spot at the Boston Comedy Club where they have the audition again? And that night, I went to the Boston Comedy Club, and this time, the audition was stand-up. Before, when I auditioned, you had to do characters, which I don't know how they thought I was funny enough to do characters. So this is SNL? Kinda, I guess. And kinda not. Yeah, okay. Kinda. So then I did the audition at the Boston Comic Club. I did my set. Somehow it was a just a magical night. Like, I think I got a standing o. The place wow. was just crazy. Uh-huh. And Barry Katz went on stage. I think I don't know. I think he was still he was managing, but he was still doing stand-up at the time. And he was like, Man, that was amazing. Then he calls me in his office and like I met him that next week, and he wanted to manage me, and I was like, "Yeah." And then there I was in. Now I was in my first club in Manhattan, and from there I branched out to the other clubs in Manhattan, and then that led to whenever there, there, there was opportunities, and one of the opportunities was writing on a talk show in L.A. Like years later, and, and which I, talk show was that? It was Keenan Ivory Wayne's talk show. Okay. Yeah, so I got that job. You know what I mean? So that's just all. Like something happened and you wait, you keep doing your thing and something happened and you do co- clubs and colleges and then just keep plugging away. But
0: the main thing is up. That always, mm-hmm. that's the consistent thing, but right. then other things will come. Is it, do you find it harder writing for other people than yourself?
2: No, nah, I just kind of have developed like a universal sense of humor. And then you, so that usually works in every situation I'm in. And then you take into consideration the person but i don't put a lot of pressure on myself cuz to be exactly in the tone of their voice because then they could just change the thing that you wrote into their voice yeah you know what i mean so it's like yeah
0: what's what's the most what's the tv show you got the most pleasure writing in so far uh, i mean i'm
2: sure all of them are great no nah, well not all of them were great <laughs> i ain't going to lie like that can but, you say the worst one uh where you just didn't feel like see. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the ones I liked. Okay. And then I'll see if I come up with ones. Okay. Yeah. Which ones you challenging. really like? Like the Lyricist Lounge show was just a lot of fun. Young bunch of rappers and actors. And and you saw people in their infancy like Tracy Ellis Ross, Heather McDonald. Like we shared an office together. And so that was one. Uh, then I had fun on. Damn the Carmichael show had fun at Blackish and uh how long did
1: you
0: write on Blackish?
2: Like a season. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh had fun on a What a makes bunch that shit. show work? Because it's still, I mean, it's are branch out grownish, right. makes this. What makes that show work? Because it's Kenyan Barris's one thing one thing I noticed about him that I notice about people who have successful shows is uh he knew exactly what he wanted. Like one time, right, you know Chris Spencer? Yeah, of course, yeah. One time he called me and Hugh Moore and a bunch of writers to meet up with Nick Cannon. And Nick Cannon had this idea for the show called Wildin' Out. So we were, he was going to go shoot the pilot down at the comedy union. And he wanted to get a bunch of writers together to discuss ideas about it. And when we throw ideas out, he's like, "Nah, not that, because it is. Nah, not that, because it is not and then Nick Cannon would Nick be. Nick Cannon saying. would, okay. you know. And then I I didn't, I wasn't like upset with him. I was like, this guy knows what he doesn't want it to be. Yes. And knows what he wants it to be. So he'll take an idea of what he wants it to be. But if it's not, then he knows. And I, and I was like, oh. And then that show became successful. And Kenya was like the same way. And then anybody whose show. They just know the show, and the moment you ask them something, a question they never heard about their idea before, they have an answer. It just opens up like they know. Jeff Ross was like that one time I worked with him on one of his shows. So people just know. People know what they want. Like you work with Rogan, you know exactly what he mm-hmm. wants. He knows exactly what he wants. You know what I mean? Do you when you were writing on Blackish because I
0: I love the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it? I wonder t- why. Because I'm blackish Because you're blackish But but I I was wondering Like when you're in the writer's room Because I'm fascinated about Uh this You know With sitcom And the works And all that When you're in a writer's room And you're just coming
2: in Uh You know Is there a lot of pressure on you Or do you not see it that way Yeah you feel a little pressure Like it's always makes you feel better It's just like a comedy show So you're in Except you're in a room With a bunch of funny people And you want to say something To make them laugh from my perspective, so that they can start trusting your sense of humor. Okay. So they're more open to your ideas.
0: So for anyone like me that's never been in a writer's room, mm-hmm. how does it work? You go in, mm-hmm. they're all talking about an
2: episode. Is mm-hmm. that right? First of all, you know, first. How does just, it all, yeah. What's, first, in general, we're just introducing ourselves, talking about our lives, and then it slowly goes into the show. But then, I, for me, for me to feel comfortable, like when I'm on stage, for me to feel comfortable, I need to get the first laugh. So, I need to get the first laugh about something, whether it has to do with the show or my life or just something in the news that we're talking about, just whatever. Uh It's just a regular conversation. So, it's just like I'll just open mic them. Always (laughs) open mic them. Always open mic them. Okay. I mean, and get something in that I can relax. I I, they think I'm funny. So now I'm comfortable to just do my job. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, y'all, spit around ideas. Then someone comes in, here's the idea for the episode. And then y'all, do y'all write in groups? So how's it? do how many people write one episode or do they split you in teams?
2: Well, they did it a bunch of different ways. So before they actually start shooting, there's a lot of time. So everybody's talking about their lives and their experiences and Kenya has ideas. And Larry Wilmore was a showrunner at the time. So it's like, these are some of the topics. And then we all come in with topics. And then we look at the topics and then we start messing around with different topics and ideas and themes. And then one of them or a few of them will start taking form and we write down a lot of notes for it to see if we have like a whole story. And then we keep developing it over days or maybe weeks. And then you have like an outline for an episode. And then, so that's called breaking the story. Mm -hmm. Then you pitch it to the network. Network have their notes. Ah. And then you re-break it based on their notes. And then it's pretty much ready to give to a writer to go off and write it. Okay. And then they write a draft, come back, we all read it, give our notes, then they go back off and rewrite that. How do you take people's notes? uh, Better than I used to. Okay. You used to get mad about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're just young and you're insecure, so you think it's an insult to you. But no, you're just, just trying to help you open up your mind in a way that you might not have as in regards to the, to the, to the episode.
0: So how long ago did you move to LA? Uh, like 20 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And how, so did it take you a while to break into the LA scene
2: or was it pretty automatic? Cause Cass was managing the LA comedy scene. Yeah. I, I, when I first moved here, that's the thing. I kind of took a break from standup and I was writing more and then I started doing, first I was doing comedy, then I kind of backed off from it for like five years. Mm-hmm. kind of wasn't really doing it. it. was like, I'll just write and do shows occasionally. And then at some point, like in the early 2000s, like I was like, let me get into the store and the factory. So I made a concerted effort to get into the store and the factory. And then, because I, I realized too, I was getting writing jobs from being a standup. So I was like, I can't let the stand-up slip. So then, you know, somebody at the factory at the store would get a show. They see me perform. They're like, you want to write on my show. Gotcha. So it worked hand
0: in hand. So did Mitzi, was Mitzi the one that passed you at the store? Yeah. What,
2: what do you remember most about Mitzi for yourself? Uh, the funny thing is, Mitzi had passed me at the store without me knowing years ago. I remember before I moved to LA there was a showcase of New York comics at the comedy store and we all flew out. This management company in New York put it on. So we all flew out. And uh so we all flew out and that night I went on third and the crowd was dead and it was kind of in the OR. And then I went in on stage, cursed out the crowd, and they started laughing and did my routine and then I did really good. And then some lady came up to me, handed me her card and said, whenever you're back in LA, hit me up. But I didn't realize that was Mitzi. I didn't know who the fuck Mitzi was. Oh yeah. So then when I did move to LA later on, I completely forgot about it. And it's only like later on when Mitzi, when I made that concerted effort to get back in the store in the early 2000s and then I realized I, the night I was passed, and even years after that, I said, The lady who gave me that card, that was fucking Mitzi. I could have been, been a, regular, a regular at the goddamn comedy store. Did
0: she remember she gave you that card?
2: No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. But, I, but what happened was the night I got passed, I'd been coming there because they said, like, there was like four weeks in a row, they said, Come. All right. And she'll be there and she'll see you perform. I came and she was never there. And I said, let me go on anyway, just to get used to the stage. So when she is there, so I performed and I did really good those nights. And the night that she was there, I went on, I did my set to like, nobody was laughing. Really? up, uh, Like it was just silent. And I got off. But by the time she passed me before I got off, so maybe she remembered or maybe she saw something. Okay. And I was still professional. You could still hear the jokes. It was just like a weird ass night in the OR. So it is sometimes a crowd. Uh, I don't, or, you know, maybe it is sometimes a crowd, but then it, say it's sometimes a crowd, right? Okay. When you realize it's the crowd, are you going to run an audible? Are you going to do something to adapt to get them? Or are you just going to do your material? And say it's the crowd, like it is the crowd, but then it is you too, because you can do still do something once you realize that.
0: Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. All right, so how are you the most, one of the most beloved people (laughs) in the industry? Is it because you've just been around and you, and people know you as a brilliant writer? and a great comedian, or mm-hmm. like, uh, how, how does that happen? Because I see so many people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't hang out in
2: the clubs. So I'll be right. the first person to say that. I mean, why would you? You got this beautiful ass house. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> yeah, hang out here, right? I don't yeah. hang out at the clubs. This is just a throwaway room. <laughs> <laughs> this is an extra room in your house turned to a podcast. There lady. you go.
0: Yeah, but I don't. I don't hang out. But I've never heard anything mm-hmm. negative about
2: you. No. You know, there probably is some negative shit. But okay. Yeah.
0: But like you're, you're, you know, Rogan. You're mm-hmm. close with Burr. Obviously, yeah. you did your special. Mm-hmm. Like, how how did those uh, relationships develop?
2: I just known them for so long. Like, Rogan used to be moved to New York back when I got into the clubs in New York, at the Boston. So we used to do sets there. We used to walk and talk and hang out in between sets until he moved to LA. Burr, the same thing. We used to have like eat at the cellar. After sets and just talk all night with Patrice and Keith Robinson and Norton and and people, Rich Voss and just everybody just kick it and just just known them for years, you know. And everybody took their turn and took off and did their thing, you know. Wow, yeah. and you just kept in contact. Yes. Well, I guess kept being in a- contact or just the comedy club is like a contact base because you run into each other and talk and hang out and shit. Yeah, do
0: you? Like, what was the comedy store like? Because I know it went through, it wasn't as big. Right. And now it's on this huge resurgence. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to the people listening what it was like when it wasn't on top of the game? What
2: What was it like performing there? Like, you'd still, like, some nights were still packed. But it was, it was not as popping as it is right now. Right now it's thriving. Like, before, you know... It still have it just didn't have the energy. had like a darkness to it, you know, like it just doesn't have didn't have the feel yeah that it that it has now. It's hard to to put it into words. like now, every night you go, all three rooms are filled. There's more than one show in each room, and like the biggest celebrities and comics are stopping by there. They had some of that, like a fraction of that before. Uh huh. And, you know, just like any place, shit is cyclical. So the club has had its ups and downs, but it's definitely on the up right now.
0: What's the biggest compliment from a celebrity you got that kind of blew you away? Because so many celebrities go through that club, or just, mm-hmm. you know, just seeing your work or reading your work.
2: Yeah, I don't even think celebrities ever even really like. Other comics. Comics or somebody that's important to you. Right, right. Like, here's a, here's a funny, funny one. Like, the other night at the Improv, I was on a show with Miss Pat. Yep. And I went on before her. And she's just, like, a real-ass woman. You know what I mean? hmm And so after I did my set, she came up to me. and She's like, I want to make sure you have my number and I have your number so that if my show gets picked up because she's about to shoot a pilot, I want you to be a part of it, so that's like a huge compliment. Absolutely, like from somebody I think is just a avalanche of funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. So stuff like that. Yeah.
0: How do you write your stuff,
2: like your stand up material? Uh, is it normal? Like, do you have a room? Do you journal a lot? What do you do? Conversations. Uh, like I still open mic people. Yeah, unintentionally and yeah. <laughs> intentionally. Uh, sometimes a topic or a thought will get in my head, and I'll sit down and write it. Uh, I definitely listen to my sets now. And what, what
0: what has changed? Because I know a lot of comics do that as well. Mm-hmm. What has changed in you after starting to listen
2: to your sets? Uh, I can tell if something's off, if something needs to be fixed or something might open in my mind and give me an idea to add to that idea. You know, so sometimes I want to write before each show, but sometimes I get lazy and you know, I don't get a chance to do that. Uh-huh. But if I'm driving to the club, if I play my set on the way there, a tag or two might come. So to, me, to me, that's like free writing. That's free writing, yeah. You know, it's like I didn't have to sit there and bang my head against the wall for like an hour or two. Like, I just listened to my set and like, oh, shit, that's a tag, That's said... You know, a tag will come to my mind.
0: Like when, when I, when I'm on tour or I'm mm-hmm. doing weekends, I do most of my writings when I'm working yeah. on comedy. Like mm-hmm. I can't just wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to write a joke today. Right. But you're more topical. That
2: kind of has to happen for you, right? Sometimes I'm more topical. It depends on, you know, what's going on. Yeah. Cause I don't, well, really there's do a, lot a lot of shit going on. Yeah, there's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. yeah. I don't always do a lot of news stuff. Okay. But I try to make it more, Relatable to me in a way that's relatable to everybody else. Yeah. What do you, what
0: do you, uh, what's got you hot in the news right now or what's kind of just blowing your way? Uh,
2: the Trump presidency. Now, everybody's talking about that. So I did a joke about Trump on the special, but in a way that's different than everybody else was talking was about. Was that it. the March one? The March oh, one. Oh, I yeah, love yeah, that yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. My favorite joke of yours
2: that mm-hmm. I heard is a spider. Oh, it was a spider. The, oh, yeah, oh yeah. did
0: you do that in the special?
2: Yeah, but they we took it out, so then took, now oh, I can man, use it. That there. spider joke is yeah, so thanks. damn funny.
0: <laughs> that is, oh yeah. my god, it's so fun. So, so I mean, what are you talking about in the news today? Like, if you were to write, like, uh, what, what- I
2: talk about like, you know, a few months ago that Michael Jackson documentary came out, so I have a bit about that. Okay, and then I was just in New York and I did this show for Comedy Central where they actually asked you to throw in some topical jokes. They give you a list of things. And one of them was about Chris Cuomo. Okay. You know, like he's an Italian from a famous Italian family. And somebody like insulted him and caught it on camera and called him Fredo. (laughs) Which has got to be one of the most creative insults I've ever heard in a while. (laughs) Fredo's like the worst character from The Godfather. Absolutely. And I won't do the whole joke here. Uh But now... I did it on the show, and I've kept on doing it. I, I was in New York last week, so I did it. So I've kept on doing it, and now it's a new bit. It's a new bit. That okay. that, that subject matter is a new bit. Okay. That leads into other shit, yeah.
0: And I know you're a big fan of soccer, too. Mm-hmm. Why do you love Is it
2: because? Because I was born in England. Okay. And it's their national sport, and raised in Jamaica. It's their yep. sport, and I just played it all my life. That's the first thing I ever wanted to be was a, a soccer player.
0: Now, in America... You know where I mean it's starting to happen. People starting to like soccer. Uh-huh. But would you agree with this statement? Because I yes. grew up. Okay, great. Before you even say yes, because I'm about to say I'm about to say. Would you say in America uh-huh. the soccer players are our worst athletes? The ones that can't play football,
2: basketball, or uh, baseball. No, nah, I wouldn't say that. Because a lot of people say the reason why American soccer is not great is because our athletes go to other sports. See, I, I agree with that though, cause but, we don't, we don't. But I can't imagine six foot seven LeBron trying to play soccer. He's too tall for it. You know what I mean? Well, because everybody's, sh- I mean, but. Like.
0: But like, you know, the, the thing I don't like is when people go, well, yeah, they're better athletes. They can run the whole time. I'm like, yeah, but mm-hmm. if our athletes uh-huh. did that ever since they were a kid, that would be no problem too. What are you, you talking got, about for soccer? I'm talking about for soccer. You have wide receivers running four threes, uh-huh. four twos.
2: Uh-huh. You can't tell me. That sounds me. fast. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's fast. It's fast. It's fast. All right.
0: So I, I would imagine like if soccer, if we grew up mm-hmm. with soccer being number one, I mm-hmm. get, I think America would dominate. Exactly. If, but I think we grow up and go, oh, you got to play basketball, football right. and baseball because soccer in America hasn't figured out how to make money with all these commercial breaks because you right. can't do that in soccer.
2: I mean, you, there's ways to do it now. Cause they can put like Chiron. Yeah. And like, you know, they can run an ad at the top of the left hand side of the screen and they keep switching that ad. And then there's ads along the side yeah. of the field. You know what I mean? There's, there's, There's ways to get it in But I mean there's It's definitely growing But the problem with Soccer in America Is that America didn't invent soccer (laughs) That's the issue True Yeah that's the issue Because baseball Is boring as shit Oh my god Yeah And so is golf Yeah And I I I doubt we created golf I don't think we even Created golf But But for some reason Y'all love it here Yeah (sighs) I mean I like what's play because you had world class golfers, you know I think I think America needs to win something or get far in a competition, and peop more people are coming on board, but even more will yeah and I think I think America, yeah I don't think America likes losing that shit and having the world beat them at something, so it's like that doesn't help either, yeah <laughs> no, know? it's a bad luck yeah as it's not would a good look yeah,
0: it's a really bad do you think the male soccer team should be Pay or the female
2: should be paid the same as the. No. Wow. Okay. Why? Because their sport doesn't generate as much as the male sport. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, like I can't get paid the same as Bill Burr because I don't generate. I can't walk into the improv like, hey, man, I'm going to do 45 minutes. Burr will do 45. Give me the same amount of of money as Burr. Like, not as many people are going to come to see me as they're going to come to see Burr. It would be ridiculous okay. for them to... Okay, let me rephrase money. that. How about the
0: U.S. Mm-hmm. women's soccer team and the U.S. men? Because That's the women, what I mean. But no, they say
2: the women make just as much as the men. They do. This, the The World Cup generates... The Women's for, World Cup generates as much as the men. Well, they say the female team generates
0: more money. They... For instance, the male team is negative four million, and the female
2: team is up money. This is what I read. I don't know. But, but listen, would, listen. I just watched whoever, okay. the women's World Cup, and I watched the males World Cup a few years ago, and bars were were filled, and a lot of different bars were open. I don't think as many bars were open at that time in the morning for the women's World Cup. I went to some games; they were packed, but like. Different but, countries but, going to see, like, like, I didn't just go to the American. Okay, you're
0: not just talking about America, You're talking about worldwide if it generated yeah, the same yeah. amount of so, money.
2: I mean, if they, listen, bottom line is if they generate as, if the Women's World Cup makes as much, generates as much money as the Men's World Cup, then they should. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if, and if, and if, all right, if the female American players generate as much money in America or for, for, the world women's world cup as the men's then yeah okay but like i said like i don't expect to get i don't expect a d league Basketball player to get paid the same as the a same pro. as a as a as a NBA pro. I gotcha. Yeah, it's just fairness. Yeah.
0: Okay. So now, uh, what do you got coming up next? Because you get Comedy Central special just came out. You right. can stream that.
2: You got some tour dates too, I got right? Some tour dates. So yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Where is Ian it, Edwards going to be? Where is I going to be at? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me let me pull up my own goddamn thing if I can find it. Oh yeah, no All worries, man. So I'll be. I guess this is going to air next week. Yeah. So I'll be at Helium in Buffalo next weekend, Very August nice. 30th to September 1st, uh at the Winchester Bar in Lakewood, Ohio, September 18th, uh, at Go bananas September 5th through 8th. That's in Cincinnati, Ohio again, and the press box in Fresno, September 28th, and the fre- the press box in Clovis California, September twenty eighth, same day, two different shows, two different venues, not far from each other, and uh, Helium in St. Louis, October third through fifth, and uh, should I do all of these? Rosemont Zanies, do on, October eleventh through twelve. It's too much. Uh, Rancho Cucamonga, Rancho, Rancho Cordova, Tommy T's, November 29th okay, through December first.
0: And what's your
2: website? In Edwards, uh, And all the dates are there. All right.
0: All right. Well, man, thank you so much for stopping by. My dude, I appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. For my ticket information, just go to michaelyo.com. We'll see you next
2: time. I should have just did it that simple.